stay tuned for Universal Perspectives with your host, Chris Skyhawk. That would be me. Good evening. Thank you for being with me here tonight. This is Chris Skyhawk. This is the Universal Perspectives. We have a very exciting show tonight. I was I was going to start out, I had asked Polly Gervin and Priscilla Hunter, they are members of the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians, and we were going to address the consultations that they are having with Jackson State Forest in regards to the timber harvesting that's going on in Jackson State right now. But there was a truly extraordinary event, which we will talk about, that happened a couple of days ago when Polly and Priscilla came over to the coast to meet with Jackson State officials, and the community showed up and gave them a tremendous outpouring of support, and some incredible things happened. But Polly and Priscilla had to had to ask to not be on tonight. I think they both were pretty pretty impacted by what happened a couple of days ago, and they're taking a little break. They asked they asked my friend Andy Wellspring to be with me on here tonight. Andy has been a, a strong person in the coalition to protect Jackson State Forest, and he also as it was started this show up for racial racial justice or surge. And then we're going to talk to Anne Marie Stenberg, who of Red Nation Earth First. They have stopped. There's been no chainsaws operating in the Casper 500 timber harvest plan, thanks to direct action on the ground. Those chainsaws have been quiet, and we're going to talk to you about that. And then my final guest will be my friend from Ukiah, Salvador Rico. He will talk about a project that he started to reforest and revitalize river areas in his home village of Mexico. So we're going to cover a lot of ground tonight, but first a song. Here we go. Go Scott Heron. Take it to us, Rich. You will not be able to stay home, brother. able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox and four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the port from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. 
the revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. All right. I couldn't resist starting the show with that tonight. Gil Scott Heron, it may be a little dated, but it's a classic. The revolution will not be televised. Thank you, Gil Scott, for that song. Okay, let's start the show. I have my guest, my first guest is my friend Andy Wellspring. Good evening, Andy. Hi, Chris. Thank you for being with us tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's an honor. It's an honor to speak on these important issues. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for stepping up. Uh, like I was saying at the top of the show, Priscilla and Polly were just to be, and they needed a day off, so they asked <laughs> to uh, not be on the show after all, and they asked you to step in. And uh, that's quite an honor. I'm, I'm glad they did that. Congratulations. Thank you for being with us. Um, tell us a little bit about Surge, Andy. Oh, great. Okay. It's an organization that is founded here on the, um, on the coast. It's a, a local branch of a national organization. Surge stands for Showing Up for Racial Justice. And we are attempting, uh, as a group of white white folks, to really make a concerted effort to support the, the campaigns and actions that are being taken by the Pomo people and by Black Lives Matter and um, by our colleagues in the Latinx community as well. And so through this issue, we've been really looking towards the, the words and the leadership from um, Priscilla Hunter from the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians, who has um, just really been an amazing activist and um, doing so much, and we just love to support their work. Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, we should educate our audience a little bit. Now, the California is obligated to at least engage in consultations with tribal groups around land use. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the, the tribes have many rights in the state, um, uh, and they are sovereign governments. And yes, as you said, the state of California and all agencies in California are required to work with them as sovereign nations. They have the right to have government-to-government consultations um, as, as a government of their own. And yes, this meeting on Tuesday at Cal Fire just so, dis and so disrespectfully didn't, didn't come to. Um, it was highly disrespectful to the tribe because they, Cal Fire was supposed to go on this scheduled walk of their proposed timber harvest plans in Jackson State Forest um, with Pomo Elder Priscilla Hunter and other representatives of the tribe. Yes, well, I can attest to that because I was there and saw what happened. But I would like to talk a little more about what what concerns are. I think Priscilla and Polly asked you also to address specifically what some of their concerns are on those timber harvest plans. There's some sites there, I believe. Yes, yes, there are sites. That the entire entire place, everywhere where we live here on Pomo, Pomo land, Pomo territory here, is uh, was tended well by the Pomo people for thousands of years before the settler society moved in, right? And so... When you go out to the forest, the, the redwoods and the tan oaks and the trilliums and this huge biodiversity that's there, that is the result of their tending this land for thousands of years. We've only seen a decrease in biodiversity since settler society moved in with all the violence and desecration, right? So keep that in mind. And when we think about out there in the forest, there are so many cultural sites. The Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians is calling for the entire Jackson Demonstration State Forest to be um, considered a cultural landscape. And because there's so many village sites out there where people have historically lived, and these are identified by the tribe and by archaeologists, Cal Fire acknowledges that they're there. The law says that they must respect these sites and not do log, logging on them, nor road building and other forms of destruction. Now, 
the tribe has informed me that even according to CAL FIRE and the state of California's own studies, already in the past, these road building and logging activities have systematically destroyed their, the Pomo cultural archaeological sites and those of the Coast Yuki people as well. And the visit on Tuesday that CAL FIRE did, did not come to was what they were supposed to meet with the tribe and go out there and see some of these cultural sites, old village sites, and, uh, et cetera. And therefore, to identify them and to make sure that logging and road building is not happening on those sites, like CAL FIRE has already desecrated in the past. So um, it's very horrible that they did not um, honor this government-to-government meeting on Tuesday. And I would really encourage everyone listening to contact CAL FIRE. Call and email them. Um, Kevin Conway is one person you could contact, but also Governor Newsom. Um, All the way, all the leaders of the state of California um, must be pushed on that they, they need to honor these the rights of the Pomo people right now. <clears throat> well, do you want to say a little bit about, I, I was there and I, I'll make a report about it too. I'll wear a hat and be, I'll, I'll be a guest Please, on my own ahead. show. Go ahead. No, I would like, like you to address uh, what Polly and Priscilla had to say about it, about what happened. Oh, well, it was it was highly disrespectful that Cal Fire would would not honor the scheduled government to government meeting, and the fact that they have just continued over over decades, really, as the as managers of the so called managers of the um, Jackson Demonstration State Forest, that they would uh, be continually um, damaging these cultural sites and from this settler society that has. Um, taken, taken this land uh, from the Pomo people, and it's very important that we reverse this. Right, um, the the least that could be done is to honor these government to government meetings on Tuesday. Um, but the state really, it's time to go much further than that as well. And um, if it's all right, Chris, I'd like to share um, a little bit about the California's thirty by thirty plan. Yes, uh, I would like. It relates with indigenous <clears throat> leadership. Here, a bigger issue. It started out with Mendocino Trail stewards asking for some area to be reserved, yeah, but it's really turning into a coalition. We're, people are calling ourselves a coalition to protect Jackson State Forest now because it's it's drawing on so many issues that people said, "Let's just call ourselves a coalition," and that's. So what happened was that people knew that Polly and Priscilla were coming over to have these government-to-government consultations that day. And a spontaneous altar was made there uh, with, uh, with the gifts, uh, with people making gifts to, to Polly and Priscilla to honor them, to honor the indigenous ways on this land that existed for so long. And when Calfire got wind of it, they, said they stayed in their bunkers in Fort Bragg. Just disrespectful and... There was nothing, there was no reason for them, actually, that they couldn't visit on Tuesday and continue as they planned. I'll just follow up a little further. What happened, I'm, I'm glad that I lived through my stroke and everything else in life to see. It was beautiful, Andy. It was just beautiful. People, the altar that was, that was made there, the gifts that were, that were made was incredible. And then people started talking to Polly, Polly and Priscilla. There was people in... European Americans and another woman and another woman in our crowd, another European American, actually was related as a relation of Andrew Jackson. Yes, the Andrew Jackson, Trail of Tears in the South, Andrew Jackson. And you know, Andy, everybody, everybody was sobbing. Everybody was sobbing. It was just as all the grief got laid down. Everybody was sobbing. It was a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought to myself, I was standing there thinking to myself, thank God I survived to see this day. <laughs> you know, it was it was incredible. It was just beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah, and I just want to throw out there, Chris, a real big shout out to Ui Wesley. Thank you so much, Ui, for really holding the space there on Tuesday 
as a as a place as an indigenous Hawaiian and supporting those of us in the settler community in really being able to to honor the indigenous Pomo people in a good way and we we couldn't do it without you. Ui, thank you. Yeah, we we love you if you're listening. But Andy, to see the the guilt and the shame that got put in the ground it got released that day. It was unbelievable. I didn't. I didn't think that. I can't believe that I lived to see such a thing. It was really incredible. Mm. It was really, really yeah. beautiful. Really beautiful moment. I will treasure that to my grave. I'll tell you that. It was wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's very important for us in the settler society to open up to these feelings we have, right? About when we think about everything that's happened, because we can't really make a different relationship to tribal people until we acknowledge the, the horrors of what has happened um, since our, our society moved in with violence and desecration mm. of both the people and the landscape here. Yeah. Well, Andy, you wanted to, you wanted to tack over to 30 by 30. I think you should do that. I just wanted people to get all up to date on on the basis for why we're talking about what we're talking about here. Totally. I, I appreciate it. It sounds great, Chris. And, you know, it's all connected really in the sense of that how should the forest, how should the forest be managed, right? How should the forest be managed? Um, the Governor Newsom in California, there's two actually very important um, resolutions that came out. Um, back in September and October of 2020. The, the more famous one I'll, I'll start with is in October was the 30 by 30 plan, right? The brief version on this one for folks who haven't heard about it yet is that California is joining in an international commitment. There's 38 countries who've committed to preserving and restoring 30% of our natural lands and by the year 2030. And so this is this is so important, right? And equally important, this one is lesser known, but very important. Just just before in September of 2020, um, Governor Newsom um, had an administrative policy called the Native American Ancestral Land um, Proclamation, and where he said he supports tribal access, co-management, and acquisition of ancestral lands. This is huge. This is what we need to see more of coming from these settler governments, like so-called state of California, right? And how can this change the relationship to the Pomo people and other indigenous people, right? Um, well, we have this goal of preserving land and restoring natural land in the 30 by 30. And we have this goal of Native American co-management and acquisition of ancestral land. So, this is a perfect example here of what we could do with the Jackson State Forest, right? And I want to draw everyone's attention to um, this professor. of She's the department chair of Native American Studies at Humboldt State University. Her name is Dr. Kutcha Risling-Baldi. And I've learned so much from, um, from her, and you can find her all over YouTube and Save California Salmon. It's a great spot. And she talks about how Okay, well, California is one of the world's top 36 biodiversity hotspots. There's an estimated 5,500 plant species found here. Forty percent of those are endemic, meaning they're found nowhere else on Earth. And, of course, the coast redwoods are probably the, one of the most famous of these species. Now, remember, we've got to remember, this biodiversity is here because the indigenous people, including the Pomo, we're taking care of this land and tending it for thousands of years, and they created this biodiversity hotspot. Now, if Cal Fire can't even go to a meeting to honor their sovereign rights as a nation, then um, that's the first step. We need to have these consultations with the tribes. Um, but we can go beyond that um, because, in fact, the tribal knowledge that they have to create these biodiversity hotspots, they could manage this land um, and really restore it to its health. Back when they, Pomo people were stewarding this land 
there were massive old-growth forests and tan oaks with all kinds of food and so many medicinal plants. Um, we still see some vestiges of these today, and we all know how amazing they are. Now, Lots of salmon in the river, too. Yes, exactly, exactly, right? And so think about this. 30 by 30, we want to preserve land. We also know that indigenous people can can tend the land uh, in, in amazing ways. They've been doing it for thousands of years. So you combine these ideas and we say, well, what about if the Pomo people could steward this land again and make decisions? We would see all the changes that environmentalists want, right? Everyone would agree with this, I believe, because we would be preserving the, the forest and restoring the, the food species and the medicinal plants. And also we would see huge um, carbon sequestration from these forests instead of what we see the state of California doing, short-term thinking, logging, making money, and what is going to happen next? We all know it's not good for it's not good for the climate. So the Pomo people could really, if we if we choose to listen, and and return their sovereignty, uh, their ownership and stewardship of these lands, it would be amazing. It would be amazing for locally and for for the climate of the earth. Mm. Well, Andy. I'll leave you a couple more minutes here in case you have more to say. But I am really touched by the things you are say, telling the listening audience tonight. So what's the next? Thanks, Chris. What's the next step here? You were saying to contact the state officials. Why don't you repeat that? Yes, I'd... let's let's repeat okay. that call to action for people. Okay, great. I won't because on the radio I won't give you specific email addresses or whatnot, but please, please, please reach out to um, Governor Newsom. Demand that the state of California respect the Pomo people and meet with them as a sovereign nation. And also reach out to Cal Fire and <laughs> demand that they honor their appointments that they schedule with sovereign nations, including the Pomo people of Coyote Valley. And um, also, you'll, your next guest, Anna Marie, sign up on her email list so that you know <laughs> what's going on and that you can come out to the direct action. Um, another thing I'd like to draw folks' attention to, if you have not been there yet to check it out, there's a very important website. Um, it's called Sincioni.org. I'll spell this one, S-I-N-K-Y-O-N-E dot O-R-G. This is the website for the Intertribal Sinkyoni Wilderness Council. This is a consortium um, and a, a collection of 10 Native American tribes in this area. And they have come together, and they are stewarding land. They are restoring redwood forest to its natural greatness that used to be logged. And they're doing an amazing job. And... This is an example that could be replicated all around the world. And, in fact, they, they could be expanded. Their powers and um, the access that they have to land could be expanded to include more places. In my opinion, including the Jackson Demonstration State Forest. And it, we would immediately see uh, um, less fire hazards. And we would also see um, a greater carbon sequestration from the forest than anything managed by the state of California. So, again, that's the Intertribal Sincioni Wilderness Council. You can find them at sincioni.org. Let's and spell that for people. Priscilla Hunter, is, oh, yes, Priscilla Hunter is one of the people leading this organization. And I encourage folks to go there um, to that site. And you can also make a donation to, to all the important work they're doing. Hey, Andy, I'm sorry, but we're going to keep moving. Keep moving. I have a couple more guests to, to get in here tonight, too. Thank you for stepping up so admirably for Polly and Priscilla. That's really, I'm really, really touched you came on the show with us tonight. I'm going to spell Sinkyone, S-I-N-K-Y-O-N-E. 
One more time. That's right. S-I-N-K-Y-O-N-E. Singione.org. Thank you so much for being with us, Andy. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, we all got to work together on this. Thank you. Yes, we do. And you are definitely holding up your end, brother. (laughs) Okay, we have a song coming up here. Next, we'll have Anne-Marie Stenberg. Okay, that's Bruce Coburn with his song "Stolen Land." Okay, well, while he was while Bruce was singing that song, we were having trouble getting Anne Marie on the phone. So I'm gonna maybe that's her. Hold on. Hello, Anne Marie. Hey, Chris. What a week, huh? <laughs> I'm telling you, my head's spinning <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's so overwhelming. Some of my guests said, "Man, I need a break." <laughs> but anyway, we have you. I'm so glad, Anne Marie. <clears throat> I know. Well, I want to say, you know, I want to say a little bit about what happened on Tuesday. Yes, I will. Like, start okay, please, session. please go ahead and start um, there. You know, I I came to Mendocino County in 1978, and uh, my ex-husband, his grandfather, was one of the original loggers back in Glen Blair many years ago in the 1800s, and um, I thought it was a really beautiful place. Uh, the ocean and the trees and everything. This was 1978, but I felt like there was this green oozing infection under the surface, mm-hmm. and I didn't know quite what it was. And I, it really bothered me. I could feel it in my bones. I could feel it all the time, no matter how beautiful it was around here. And I finally went to the uh, the library and to the house and the Fort, Fort Bragg Museum here, and I got the oral histories of the area, and I read about the Mendocino Indian Reservation that lasted only three and a half years here. The graft and the murder and the rape and was so horrible that the U.S. government shut it down. It was the worst, the worst Indian reservations. They had over 5,000 Native people that they herded from all over the area here, not just Pomo. If there were like 12 or 15 of a, of a tribe left, they brought them here also. And there were 5,000, and within three and a half years, there was a little over 500. And the government closed it down, and they um, they um, sold the Indians off. And the, the, I read horrible, horrible stories about it. And a part of me really understood that the reason why so many of us are called here and stay here is because we, we were called to heal that horrible wound, that had, that horrible infection. And as last Tuesday was one of the most healing experiences I've experienced here on the Mendocino Coast. And I think Priscilla and Polly and the Pomo really love and, and, and that, that we have for them and that we have their backs, that they're not alone in this fight. We're there with them. And uh, the healing was just amazing. There were over 100 people there. I wanted so badly for, for Cal Fire to hear Uwe's song. I, I, want, mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted them to hear Uwe's song because Uwe's song for the ancestors goes inside your heart and inside your bones. And I thought Cal Fire would hear that maybe crack their heart open a little bit. That didn't happen, but something even better happened. And that Polly and Priscilla now know, and the Pomo now know, that they're not alone. Yeah, that was that was a really powerful thing, wasn't it? It really was. It really was. And, you know, for, for years, Polly and Priscilla go, go have to deal with 
the time. And the reason why they didn't want to come, Cal Fire didn't want to come, is they thought it was going to be a protest. And Priscilla made very clear it was a prayer circle. Right. And in Native cultures, that's how you start things, you with the prayer circle, to the, to the ancestors, to the earth, to the trees, to the water. You pray. Uh, in, 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 in white circles, Pledge Allegiance or, the, or, or, or something like that. But that's not the way the Native peoples do it. And that's what this was. It was a prayer circle. And Priscilla tried to explain that to them. And they knew because they have 24-hour guards there with satellite phones. They knew there were not, were not protesters. There were, there were about 100 people there in prayer and in love and in respect and in support for the POMO. They knew that. It was very, as Andy said, extremely disrespectful. Extreme, ex- extremely. But anyway, nothing's Well, that. yeah. <laughs> I just say that. Certainly yeah. the... The isolation that people like Polly and Priscilla have labored under for so long, there certainly was mm-hmm. a major, major crack in that wall on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the great beauties of it. It was definitely it a, really was. That, it was definitely a shot across the bow of the of state officials. Hey, we ain't doing it that way anymore. <laughs> no, we're, we're not. We're just not doing we're it not. that way anymore. So no, that's not. We're in coalition. We're there to support the promo. That's what we're there for. But I just support them. So anyway, yeah. it was wonderful. I, I loved it. And everybody did. And it was very emotional and very strong and very potent. It was healing. There was a lot of tears shed, including mine. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, yeah. a lot of us were really sobbing. It was quite a beautiful thing to see. Lots of, lots of children there, too. It was really wonderful to have the children there. And uh, Polly and Priscilla and Linda were uh, were honored for the work that they're doing, and 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 made really clear to them that we have their backs. Yeah, hey, and Marie, I know well, we. I want to move and talk. I know there's been a people's moratorium in, yes. in Jackson State. Let's talk about that. Talk about I know that. a lot of that is your efforts. And Redwood Nation Earth First yeah. has managed to keep those chainsaws yeah. quiet in there for recent days. So let's well, talk about you that. You know, we, we, what, we, what we ha- are, are demanding is a two-year moratorium on all logging so that it can be figured out how to give this land back and how to take care of it in the way that it needs to be taken care of. But So the two-year moratorium, we've got a de facto moratorium from the direct action that we've been doing. On Monday at 4.30 in the morning, uh, 26 people gathered at the kiosk in, 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 in the Casper 500, we have an action camp that, that's there every morning from, uh, from 5 to noon. And 26 people gathered, and we went out in groups uh, to the different THP that in Jackson State Forest, the timber harvest plants. There's five of them that are supposed to be active. And we, we went out to these five different plans, and uh, we... Either there were there were either no chainsaws going, or we and there were no chainsaws going in any of the THPs, and we stopped all the logging activity, and then the the other stuff that they do. So we have right now, and we've been going every day now to check the ones that that that, that they purportedly are supposed to be working on, and there's no work going. There's no. Uh, um, uh, timber harvesting going on in Jackson State. So we have a people's de facto moratorium. We don't know how it la- how long it's going to last, but we have it, and we're really grateful to have it. And we're, we're checking every day, and we have another nonviolent uh, uh, training class. We have 100 now trained in nonviolent uh, civil disobedience, direct action. We have another class coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. Because there's another there's another 20 or 25 people that want to be trained, so we're ready. We're ready. We're very serious. There can be no logging going on in Jackson State Forest. That's mm-hmm. the people's force. And when you think about it, when you think about it, just don't even think about the carbon sequestration and the fact that we need those big old trees. Don't even think about that. Think about how much water they're taking out. They, they want to take out of the noyo 
to water the logging roads down. You're talking about tens of thousands of gallons of water out of the oil. And, and the city of Fort Bragg doesn't even think they're going to have enough water for the city, let alone for the logging roads. Mm. There shouldn't be any logging this summer. There shouldn't, and, and, and the fire hazards from, from the chainsaws and the heavy equipment, you're not supposed to be using that kind of equipment now, but it's okay for the logging companies to use it in a dry tinderbox fort? I don't think so. We need a moratorium, and if Cal Fire won't do it, the people will do it. And we are doing it. We're stopping it. Hey, Anne Marie, I want I want to be sure that people know how to get in touch with you, or how they can, if they want to be involved in direct action or get nonviolence training. How do they do that? Okay, you can email me. It's very easy. My initials, Anna Marie Stenberg, A M S at M C N dot O R G. Just email me and say I want to sign up for nonviolent training. Or just put it in the subject line, and uh, and we'll sign you up. It's not this weekend, but the following weekend we'll have an. It's an all day training, and when you finish, you take a. You know, you uh, uh, you accept a nonviolent code. Uh, we're totally nonviolent, but we're in your face, direct action, people. We are going to stop the logging if they try to start it up again. That's all there is to it. And there, there's, and rest assured, there's a coyote howl in my heart right now. I won't do it over the radio. It might be bad radio if I did it in my microphone, but my heart is howling for you and for everybody. Just trust but, me on you know, that. I, I went out on Monday when everybody else went out. I went out with the group, and we went to Red Tail, and that's where a group of direct action people stopped the logging there stopped it all together and uh, uh, we walked through that area where they had stopped the logging and then we, there's another unit that they hadn't started on, on yet in red tail but when we walked through that uh, that um, area that they had already logged they took out we counted 180 rings in one of the stumps they're, they're, they're t- they took out all the big trees they left huge lash piles I mean like times taller than I am, slash piles out there in the woods and took all the big old trees that would have prevented, you know, those big old trees don't burn, it's the little trees that burn, and and, and, and they made, made wind tunnels to go through there so the fire could just rush through there, and these big slash piles all over the place. Chris, it was so heartbreaking, it was, it, it, it was horrendous to see that and, and another another THP that they were working on a 200 year old tree they're taking all we have about we have about two percent now left we have less of the 200 year old trees the second growth trees than we have of the old growth trees we have about four percent of the old growth we only have about two percent of the second growth trees mm. those those 150, 200, 220-year-old trees, those. Those are the ones, like Mama Tree and Gemini Tree. Those are the ones that they're targeting. And those are the ones that protect us from fire and sequester most of the carbon. They're they're doing that. And so they want to take water out of the oil, tens of thousands of gallons of water, to to water the roads, to keep down the dust, and, and, and use heavy equipment and chainsaws in a tinderbox force to take down these cabin, these old these old trees that sequester the carbon. Does that any of that make any sense? Well, uh, if you don't think so, then get in touch with Anne Marie, and she will direct you to the training, the nonviolence yes. training, so you can participate in the people's de facto moratorium that seems to be in effect and taking hold in Jackson State. Just sign up for nonviolence training, and you too can be part of the enforcement of the People's De Facto Moratorium in Jackson State Forest. We need to. Yeah, we do. We need to. And Marie, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go get to my last guest. I thank you so much. Your efforts are beyond stellar. <laughs> I, I know, well, I, I know I'm know. i watching how much you're putting into this. It's truly, truly an yeah. uh, amazing thing. You and so many other people. Thank you for that. Yeah, so many other people. Yeah, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, have a great night.
Okay, we have another song for you. When we come back, we'll be talking to my friend Salvador Rico. That, of course, is Pete Seeger with his classic, classic, We Shall Overcome. And somebody who is definitely working towards that end is my friend Salvador Rico. He's going to talk about a project he started in his hometown in Mexico. Let's bring him up, Rich. Hi, Salvador, do we have you? Yes. Oh, you? thank you for, thank you for being with us tonight. It's great to have you. It's really great. Salvador, I'll let the listeners know that you and I met a few years back when we took Leadership Mendocino together, not too long ago in February, right. <clears throat> in February, I ran into you in Ukiah, and you told me about a project that you had started, that you've been working on with Ukiah Rotary. Please tell listeners what that project is. Certainly. So, um, and, and uh, you know, we have basically passed on the baton in the sense of uh, empowering others to, to lead the River Cleanup Project. Um, you know, this whole thing started because uh, our Rotary Club of South Ukiah back in 2009 was invited to do a Russian river cleanup here in, along the the edge of uh, Ukiah and uh, Calpella and River Valley in Hopland. And uh, we thought that uh, this thing could, could be shared with other Rotary Clubs around the world, and we did. We shared that um, in many different uh, international conventions. And so uh, this last uh, time I saw you, we were basically preparing to do the uh, river cleanup of the Russian River um, together with other organizations and other Rotary clubs uh, from Ukiah all the way to the Pacific Ocean. And so um, that at the same time, on March 22nd, uh, which is World, World Water Day, uh, we celebrated by um, making, you know, homage to and respect to to our rivers, and uh, many Rotary clubs did the same thing, uh, doing river cleanups in their communities. And today, we actually are preparing to launch another uh, river cleanup, uh, uh, also worldwide, inviting the Rotary clubs uh, around the globe to do something for their waterways, their creeks, the rivers, and this is going to be for the week of. September 26th. That goes along with uh, uh, the World Cleanup Day, which is, I believe, uh, September 19th. And we're going to finish with uh, September 26th, which uh, has been unofficially selected as the World Rivers Day. So that's something that uh, we're working on uh, in the next few weeks. And we're going to have, we're going to be inviting uh, folks to participate on the uh, forums on the webinars that we're going to uh, offer to the public and in a sense of uh, how do you get involved to do a cleanup on your own uh, waterways in your communities, in your creeks, uh, watersheds, etc. Is, is there a component beyond the, uh, beyond the cleanup also uh, planting things and uh, reforestation in these riparian zones? Yes, yes, uh, there is. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, two weeks ago, just came back from uh, doing a reforestation project in Mexico, and yes, we're encouraging um, everyone, not just simply the Rotary Clubs, but uh, everyone in general, uh, to do something, to do something in their communities, uh, on the watersheds, all the way on the mountains, in their neighborhoods, in their own backyard, uh, to plant some trees, uh, to see about pollinators, how do we can we can uh, uh, plant uh, a garden where we can uh, offer the opportunity for the pollinators to to thrive, um, and uh, obviously along the watershed, uh, the things that we can do to prevent slides, to prevent uh, pollution, and uh, doing the simple thing, the simple thing of just simply you know preventing from. Uh, throwing garbage on the streets or picking out the garbage that you see on the street when you're walking and, uh, because eventually all of that goes into the waterways, it goes into the rivers and eventually ends up in the ocean. And I, I would imagine also that, of course, the reforestation component of your project helps tremendously with water quality, it keeps the water cooler and 
and fresher having the shade. Exactly. Exactly. You know, as an example I can share with, uh, with you all is uh, two weeks ago we were in the central Mexico in the, um, near Toluca, Estado de Mexico. And so what we're trying to do is a reforestation on the uh, um, edge of El Nevado de Toluca, which is a mountain that is uh, the, one of the highest peaks in the country, uh, very, very similar as Mount Chasta. And, uh, you know, it, it is the area where snowpack is collected uh, and if there is plenty of vegetation, obviously more humidity is going to be collected in the area and eventually maintain the river flowing all throughout, especially on the dry season. Uh, in our own backyard right here in California, we have similar situation. If we don't have an, enough snowpack up in the mountains, uh, we're going to start seeing our creeks going dry. And the same thing with the vegetation. The vegetation is very important to maintain the moisture and to attract more moisture, to attract more rain into the, into the area. So it's, it's important. It's, everything is interconnected. So you mentioned the, the, the uh, rotary, there's an international component to this. How is, how is rotary involved? I think most people think of rotary as something that's just in your small town community. Talk about rotary's international reach. And rotary is worldwide. Uh, it starts with our local rotary club, obviously. Uh, we do a lot of, uh, you know, projects here locally in our town, uh, scholarships. Um, and many other different activities to help support our community. But Rotary is international, and, and uh, we're able to support other communities that uh, are in, in need, whether it's for school uh, projects, uh, hospital projects. Uh, in this case, the environment now that uh, since July of uh, 2020, uh, environment uh, became the seventh area of focus for the Rotary Foundation which means that we are taking more and more uh, look at what is important and in, in, uh, restoring the ecosystems, uh, starting with our communities and uh, restore, restoring ecosystems around the planet. And uh, the, the whole thing is co uh, connecting with rotary clubs in the different parts of the world. And again, you know, we start with our own backyard right here in the car. So when you, uh, when you were doing this cleanup on the Russian River, with your Rotary Club, and then you got this idea. Hey, let's let's talk to my friend. Let's talk to Rotaries in Mexico, and and so you just you ju just called people up or contact them, and they picked up the ball and moved to you. Moved yes. to you. Okay, I see. That's correct. And we we have done many you know river cleanups on the Ameca River, on the Lerma River in Jalisco. Um, I participated also on the Rio Grande, right right on the border of the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, week and a half ago, uh, in which, uh, you know, um, I think it was like uh, 10 different rotary clubs in five different cities organized a cleanup on the same day. And uh, that, uh, that was a huge event. It took uh, almost one year to prepare. You had to have uh, permits from both sides of the border, from the U.S. side, from the Mexico side, <laughs> uh, different agencies. It was, it was a huge amount of uh, effort that the Rotarians did wow. to be able to organize a cleanup on the border. And, uh, wow, you know, I can imagine. About, uh, uh, it's, it was amazing. It is on Facebook. You can you can see it. It's, uh, uh, they have a Facebook page. It's called Rio Bravo. Um, and that's uh, a page that uh, the Rotarians put together. Um, it made national news. You know, it is... Uh, uh, it was so amazing that... Uh, all the work that they did, um, hundreds of volunteers coming together to just literally just pick up all the plastic out of the river itself and, and raise awareness, you know, raising awareness of the situation of uh, river pollution, uh, water, uh, scarcity, uh, and uh, reforestation. And uh, the fact of all of us can do something, you know, all of us can do uh, a small act in our own home. Uh, in our own communities, and uh, why not, you know, uh, partner with uh, other organizations, in this case, us, we do partner with the Rotary Clubs around the, world, around the globe uh, to do environment projects, to do different kinds of projects. Well, but, Salvatore? Uh, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on environment right now. Yes, I'm sorry to step in here, but we are getting close to 8 o'clock already. I can't believe how fast <laughs> an hour goes sometimes. 
But what would, what would you like to say to people if they want to become involved and clean up here locally? Or any way that you would like people to tie into your efforts? You need to start doing something in your, in your own backyard. Starting on your own home, with your family, with your friends. And uh, next time you go on, to, uh, on the street or go on the mountains or go on the forest, make sure to clean up the area. Make sure to encourage everybody to uh, stop the pollution. Make sure that everybody takes their garbage home, uh, recycle, prevent, uh, prevent pollution. We all, we all can do it. So I encourage everybody to empower themselves and empower others. And if, he, and if people want to help you with your river cleanup, how would they get in touch with you if they wanted to do that? Uh, just reach out to the Rotary Club of South Ukiah and uh, any Rotary Club in, in your community nearby and, uh, you know, connect. You know, connect. Uh, there will be announcements coming up pretty soon on Facebook and uh, we'll put on our, on our way, uh, website as well for the upcoming uh, Russian River cleanup. And, uh, you know, again, encourage everybody to do something in their community, uh, anywhere they're at. Okay, Salvador, I thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to seeing you again sometime. We only have one minute left. Thank you. Thank you so much, my friend. You take care. Thank you for the invitation. Okay. Yes, I'm I'm going to have to close the show. I'd like to thank Salvador Rico of Ukiah Rotarians, Anne-Marie Stenberg of Red Nation Earth First, and Andy Wellspring of Show Up for Racial Justice. I think the three of you have made a very extraordinary show. And all the people who, all the people that are doing amazing things in our community. Rich, you have a son to take us out with. Thank you, everybody, for being with us tonight. This has been Chris Skyhawk and Universal Perspectives. There's a river of my people. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.